sauces and ETs in government conspiracies. But I've seen none of the above. If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles. Lose my little mind. Hello and welcome to X Files Talk X Files, the only podcast that has been described as a fat little white Nazi stormtrooper. I'm your host, David Hald, and joining me tonight from xfastnews.com, I have Tiffany Duval and Holly, like the sugar, Simon. <laughs> Hello to both of you. How are you? Good. Nice to be here. Pretty good. Nice to have you. So yeah. on today's episode, we are going to st- talk uh, the first uh, several episodes of season three after um, The Blessing Way and Paperclip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, we're going to do DPO through Oubliette. Uh, but first of all, we do have some more news for the upcoming X-Files revival. So, Tiffany, I will let you take it away. Okay. We we have brand new news. Let's see. So, uh, yesterday, of course, today we're recording on June 18th. Yesterday, on June 17th, we had a call sheet that was leaked. Uh, a little bit of information about the call sheet. There's some more casting news associated with it. Uh, I don't know how many of you out there listening watch The Americans, but Annette Mahendru, of course, who plays Nina in that show, uh, is attached to the X-Files project. She is in the very first episode that they've been filming this week. And um, there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not Mulder and Scully are together. Are they living together? Um, the call sheet has kind of mentioned that Mulder has a house. Everybody is wondering, you know, where is Scully living? Uh, it's, uh, so, it's the Mulder house, as in plural. <laughs> uh, yes, well, that, not everyone got that until today. So um, today's, <laughs> yeah, today's news is that there was a map for the location that was leaked, and in the actual map, it lists the house as the Scully slash Mulder house. Uh, so this is super fresh information. It, it it came out maybe an hour and a half ago. Um, so everybody can probably rest easy knowing that Mulder and Scully are going to be together again at some point in the uh, you know first episode if they're not already. So let's see. Any other news for this call sheet? Most of it was just some pretty basic stuff. Um, just you know, shooting location stuff, and as far as you know, the house being listed. Uh, of course, all of it is really broken down into detail on xfilesnews.com. So if you haven't seen the call sheet yet, you and you want to have some spoilers, then go check that out and take a look. Uh, the only other spoiler that I casting spoiler that I can mention. And this is really kind of unconfirmed at this point, but TV Wise is reporting that Jaden Smith, of course, Will Smith's son, may be in this revival at some point. We don't have any confirmation of that, but it's something that's kind of been put out there in the X-Files universe, so we'll just have to see what happens. This is not happening. This is not (laughs) happening. (laughs) You never know. They've approached quite a few actors. Some of them were aware of and are not confirming because there is no confirmation as to whether or not they will be in. Uh, Jaden Smith kind of came out of the blue for us. We hadn't heard about that. So um, at, at this point, it's unconfirmed, but, um, you know, anything can happen. So, 
Okay. And I think I think that's it for new news. All right. So. Well, let's go into the episodes then. Uh, we're going to start off with DPO. And um, it's significant for a couple of reasons, um, not least because of the two guest stars in it, Giovanni Ribisi and Jack Black. You may have heard of them. They went on to do uh, quite a lot of big stuff. Um, but of course, they were in X-Files first, so we had them first. Um, it's obviously significant because of that. Um, and it just mm-hmm. goes to show the level of casting, even for guest stars in one-off roles that the X-Files had uh, back in the day. You know, sort of seeing that talent in people who went on to do great things. And, of course, we also have a song that's repeated in it, uh, Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter. And, of course, that's significant because the band's frontman, Richard Patrick, is the brother of Robert Patrick, who would later be John Doggett. Look at you with all the trivia. Oh, yeah. Far, far too much trivia. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm getting nervous already for the... <laughs> For the quiz at the end of this, because that was pretty heavy right there. It was. And <laughs> that's, I mean, to be honest, there's not a whole lot I have to say about this episode. I went back and rewatched it, and it was, you know, it was okay. It wasn't one of the greatest ones. And the only bullet point that I could really think to write down about it was that it's the first episode that really deals with the whole teen angst thing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've done Creepy Kids before, but this is the first sort of teen episode the X-Files mm-hmm. does. And it, it's a well it goes back to then later on with Rush and Lord of the Flies and so on. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Holly, I think you had some stuff to say about DPO. Um, not necessarily. I have to say, um, I do have a fascination with lightning, so the show is one of my favorites. DPO was kind of, I had to go back and watch parts of it, just because it's, you know, some of these episodes, it's been so long since I feel like I've seen them. Um, what really struck me about this one is, it's one of those episodes, you know, where the sheriff kind of comes in, and you know, the guy comes in, and he just starts talking to Mulder. You know, he's, he's, it's like Scully's not even there. She's just kind of off on the sidelines and he's speaking, you know, man to man with Mulder. And, and he's yeah. really on the lectures. Like he knows absolutely everything about lightning. Yes. And yeah. it's until Mulder finally plugs him in the end. He shuts up. Right. Right. Yeah. And he, he's like kind of really not very nice to Scully and very kind of, um, I don't know. He, he's definitely brushing her off because she's a woman And, you know, he's putting her in her place by telling her all this knowledge about lightning, which, of course, I mean, she's not a lightning expert, so she doesn't know all of that. Uh, And then, you know, at the end, Mulder's just silent the entire time. Like, he's letting all of this happen. And, of course, she gets super irritated at the end and is like, you know, feel free to jump in at any time. And, you know, he's like, I thought you were doing so well. Um, So I think the interaction that, and this is not the first I don't think this is the first time this has really happened with Scully, but it's definitely not the last, because I think it happens again in one of the other episodes we're going to discuss tonight. Uh, but this idea that she's this female doctor, she has the male partner, and everyone kind of starts talking to him. You know, they're, they're not thinking that she, as a law enforcement professional, can be on the same level as him. Yeah, it's a lot um, more pronounced in Too Shy. Yes, it's very, yes, it's very, very pronounced in Too Shy. We can talk about that when we get there, too. Um, but, and something kind of softer in this episode that I didn't remember until I watched it again, of course, DPO is taking place right after, uh, the huge arc that we just had coming into season three, where Mulder's life has, has been in serious danger and whatnot. And, um, she has a moment in the episode where she kind of is telling him, 
that she hopes he doesn't think this is government conspiracy. She says, you know, after everything we've just been through. She doesn't say you. She says we. Um, so it's interesting that kind of they're stringing that along into this episode, which really has not a lot to do with, you know, conspiracy. So that's really, I don't know, that's all the DPO I have. <laughs> Unless Holly's got more on lightning. <laughs> um, let's see. Um I don't know. Um, I guess I, I kind of identify with um, DPO himself, the character of Darren. Um, I guess um, I guess what you would say is, you know, sometimes it can cause an overwhelming feeling. I mean, you, we dealt with a similar case of that, like when it comes to Rain King. In this case here, it was a case, but he was able to control the weather. Mm-hmm. In this case here, it's a case of somebody who's overly emotional, but it's lightning. I mean, it's um, it basically, I believe what they, they try to do in these episodes, they're trying to convey like very strong emotion and they, they use this as a way of doing it. That's a really interesting perspective on that, actually, especially yeah. tying it into ranking. Yeah, I like that. So Clyde Bruckman's final repose. Yes. It's the second episode written by Darren Morgan and probably my second favorite of his episodes. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot to say about here. I'm not going to go ahead and, and summarize the episode. I'm not even going to attempt to do that. Um, <laughs> but I just have a series of bullet points here, which are just completely okay. all over the place. So feel free to jump in as we go through them. Um, I've got a couple more facts for you. That um, The stupendous Yappy, who shows up in here uh, as the uh, celebrity psychic, he's mm-hmm. obviously played by David Duchovny's body double on The X-Files. Did you know that? I did. I forgot it, but now that you mentioned it again, I would think, oh, yeah, that's that's right. I remember that. Well, that's what we want to do. We want to remind everybody about all these things that we've forgotten <laughs> 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, the uh, psychic is the stand-in? Yeah. So, so basically, yeah. everything... See, that... I learned something here tonight. Well, there you go. <laughs> we're, we're teaching people new, and we're pushing stuff out of people's brains that they've learned over the last 20 years and putting the exile stuff back in there for them. That's right. And uh, he, of course, Stupendous Yappy, also pops up in Jose Chung uh, from Outer Space. He's so funny. I, lo- I love Stupendous Yappy's character. It's hysterical. Because, I mean, he's, you know, Scully, of course, Scully's the one that's the skeptic. And yet Stupendous Yappy is like, someone is blocking me. And he looks right at Scully and you're like, oh, I know, she doesn't believe. And then he looks to Mulder and you realize Mulder's the non-believer in this scenario. And I thought that was brilliant. Uh, he, Darren Morgan does that throughout this episode, playing with your expectations mm-hmm. and setting it up and then just flipping it the other way. Like at the very yeah. beginning of the crime scene, the cops are talking about this guy they have coming in and someone says, well, I worked a case of him once and it was kind of spooky. And then all of a sudden Mulder appears in the doorway and there's a hush in the room. And, yeah. And then turns the, him and goes, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Or the New York Knicks t-shirt, yes. which is a play on Beyond the Sea. Yes. Yeah. That was a great part. And uh, we have a couple of good character moments in there, which um, Darren Morgan doesn't tend to do a whole lot. It's more Vince Gilligan plays with the characters mm-hmm. in his humorous episodes down the road. But there's that nice bit where Mulder's trying to get um, Clyde Bruckman to, I forget exactly what he's doing, but trying to get some information from some evidence that they've got. And he's like, don't you have, don't you guys have labs to do this sort of stuff? And Scott yeah. is like, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that part. Or when um, Scully's babysitting Clyde, you know, she's taking first shift, and she's he's asking her what she's doing, and she's saying, 
um, studying background checks, we don't come up with suspects by having visions. And the play where he kind of looks at her and he's like, jealous, you know? <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> and of course, this is the episode that sparked the whole idea about Scully being immortal. Yes. Yes, yes it is. So many fanfics. Sparked so much fanfiction right there. So, between the two of you, um, do, do you... Any of you either believe in psychic ability or say specific psychic ability? Like, is do you, do you really think it's possible to be able to like foresee or foretell one specific type of event in life? But yes, I'm, us very, I'm very deep in my questions. Is that my fault? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I hate I hate to be the skeptic, but. I, I personally don't. Not that I begrudge anyone that believes differently, but personally in my experience, I guess that I'm more like Scully and less like Mulder. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I have shades of Mulder and Scully to me. I mean, like Mulder, I'm interested in that sort of stuff, but, you know, deep down I, I am a Scully and I tend to be a skeptic about most of the sort of stuff in the X-Files, all the paranormal sort of stuff. There's one or two mm-hmm. things where I'm like, I want to believe, but on the whole, I'm a you know, pretty cold-hearted cynic <laughs> slash skeptic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's definitely Scully for you. <laughs> yeah. Two Scullys and a Mulder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. What I'm trying to think of what else about Clyde Bruckman that, um... Chantilly Lace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like that she kind of, like, solves the mystery. And in the end, of course, when she, you know, comes to save Mulder, he's like, how did you know? And you think, oh, it's because she solved the mystery and she figured out where he was. And then she's like, I got on the service elevator by mistake. And so you realize that it... Yeah, it, it kind of, you know, he thought it was all this kind of weaving of, of events to lead her to him. And she was kind of like, it was chance. So it was, you know, that, that part of it was kind of interesting. And of course, she adopts, que- you know, she inherits Queequeg. yes. In this episode. <laughs> Which I forgot this was the episode where she gets Queequeg and then... Yeah, yeah, because, you know, apparently he ate, like, part of his previous owner because she died the night before. So. Well, that's we, why yeah. he left her with a note. <laughs> yeah. Well, Queequeg gets her comeuppance later on, so... I know. Poor Queequeg. Yeah, he lasts us like six, seven months. Yeah. And, um... Yeah. You know, one other thing I just want to touch on this episode is just, you know, you do have that... The sadness and the melancholy there just through Clyde Brockman's existence, you know, that he has this amazing power, but all he can really do with it is see how people are going to die and... You know, you see him with a lotto ticket, keeps trying to win the lottery, and, you know, every week he tries, and every week he doesn't get any of the numbers. But he has this gift where all he can do is see how people are going to die. And and that's why I'm thinking, if there's such a thing as psychic ability, wouldn't that be the most annoying thing in the universe? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. <laughs> it would make things boring. Or... If you knew everything so... ahead of time. It would make things, well, it would either make things boring or it would make you live your life trying to avoid certain things and I can't see how having that sort of ability would be a good thing. Yeah. I could see it being interesting, but I could see it being, I don't know, it seems like it would be such a burden. It certainly seems that way to Clyde Bruckman. I mean, it definitely seems like 
It's not I something think, that he necessarily wants. Yeah, I think in the end, it, it might be like fun and games for a bit, but I think at the end, it would just be really, really detrimental. Yeah. And you had that scene where he's telling Scully that, you know, we're going to end up in bed together. You know, hold in my hand, you're going to be holding my hand with tears of joy streaming down our faces. And of course, the, yeah. end, the final it's scene. It's a beautiful it's, scene. It's him dead, and he has that tear of joy as she yeah. holds his hand, and you know. They... And she knows, like you see on her face, yeah. she realizes that he has foretold what you know what happened. So, yeah, that was it. It was a great episode because it was it was equal parts humor and kind of it had a lot of deeper meaning in it, but it it kind of came together and went kind of parallel to each other. So you never felt like it was over-the-top funny one way and super depressing the other way. It kind of weaved it in so that it was just a really nicely done episode. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I found it was well-balanced. It's. Uh, I would say it's easily yeah. in my top ten. Yeah, I, I definitely love... in the Of the early seasons, Clyde Bruckman is definitely one of my favorites. Yes, no doubt about that. Up next, we have The List, which is another the Chris List. Carter writer-director episode. Uh, you know, it's so funny. I I know we've joked about this before because sometimes Avi and I can go like super shipper, but <laughs> which David is aware of because we he I think it's annoyed with it sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the list, the thing that stands out to me, this is so ridiculous. Someone else out there thinks this too. Um, but what stands out to me is there is so much like sexy closeness between Mulder and Scully in this episode because they're in a prison. So they have to like lean in and touch each other and whisper so that the inmates can't hear them throughout the entire episode. They're like right on top of each other. That's, is it sad? I'll be honest, David, that's not how I remember the episode at all. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, that's the Barely first remember. thing. I well, that is it. The shower scene where, you know, Scully, of course, like, randomly wanders into the prison shower and the guard, you know, grabs her from behind, scares the crap out of her. Uh, I remember that part, too. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know, if if you want early shippiness, I guess go to the list and watch all the prison scenes. I have never seen the list even mentioned as a shippy episode in my life. I know. I think because I probably blocked out the rest of it and only remembered, like, the touching. You're you're reaching at this point, I think. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, you have to go back and watch. The list is not one of my, not one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it's not, it's not mine either. I think that's why what I remember of it more is that. And when I went back and watched it again a couple days ago, I was just like, good gosh, they're close all the time. I mean, they're, like, practically in each other's faces. Be- I mean, because they're in a prison. Literally, they're in, an, they're in an enclosed space anyway. And then they're having to constantly whisper because they're surrounded by inmates. So, According to Tiffany, this is a turning point in their relationship. <laughs> no, there was no turning point. They were, like, on a train <laughs> headed for it. It didn't turn. It just kept going. It just took a while to get, you know, from season one to season seven. <laughs> or, like, six, if you That's believe that. different railway tracks. I think you're missing <laughs> the bit there where the train explodes and X carries Mulder away. Oh, good point. Ah, yeah. 
Yeah, the the list is not one of my favorite episodes. I didn't even it wasn't even one of the ones I managed mm-hmm. to rewatch to do this podcast. But um, I think Chris Carter got nominated or maybe even won an Emmy or, or some sort of award for directing the episode, which from memory, the episode, you know, the direction was pretty co- pretty good. They had that cool green sort of color scheme going on. But um, beyond that, I can't really think of anything to say other than it's kind of notable for being one of the very few or maybe even the only case that Mulder and Scully don't actually solve throughout the history of the show. I think they yeah. just sort of get in their car and go, well, there's five people dead. That's how many they said it was going to be. So I guess we can go home now. And that's yeah. It. And well, and then the, at the end, the, you know, the warden's driving away. So, so, yeah. the, so basically they just gave up after four people got killed then is what actually happened. So yeah, yeah. that's the list. <laughs> that's the list. And I'm going to be completely honest here and say the next episode, Too Shy, I'm not really a fan of that one either. And I don't even have anything to really bring to the table for this discussion. So if either of you do, jump in. It has, I'll tell you what about about Too Shy. Too Shy is kind of like a baby follow-up to Irresistible in a way. Um, Which is interesting. Not as good as Irresistible, but somewhat interesting. It's kind of um, irresistible then, meat squeeze. Kind of, yeah. And you've got, like, you know, this, of course, is the other episode where you have the detective that doesn't think that a woman can be a doctor, doesn't think she can do an autopsy. You know, he's telling her that he's old-fashioned and, and whatnot, and she's very calmly kind of dealing with this very overt sexism as she's trying to work to solve the case. Um, so, you know that that part of it's somewhat interesting and then of course you have the um what what does she call it a fat sucking vampire is how she refers to it to Mulder because he takes I guess the dry skin sample and then she has that line where she's like oh from a dry skin scan- sample you're concluding that he's some sort of fat sucking vampire and you know that's exactly what Mulder's concluding it's okay um it's it's certainly not irresistible which probably hurts it a bit because it is a little bit similar um, but you know, you have Scully it's, gets attacked in the bathroom at the end, and that was pretty kick-ass because she's you know fighting him off and whatnot. So that was, I think, that's like, the first time it, you really see her do that. Yeah, it's uh, irresistible with like an online aspect. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But with that being said, Too Shy is far more gross to the eyes than Irresistible will ever be. Yes. Yeah. The whole skin peeling and the the, yeah, the stuff on their mouths is really disgusting. Yeah, I mean, as forgettable as the episode uh, is, that that image where she opens up the the drawer in the morgue and the tray is just full of the decomposed mm-hmm. body. I mean, that's a pretty visceral kind of image that sticks yeah. with you, even if the rest of the episode doesn't. Yeah. This is, you know, a very sort of mid-90s... Um, internet kind of thriller which you know yeah, I, I think yeah, would maybe resonate a lot more today with today's technology if they updated the storyline i could see this being the kind of episode that they might want to do in this revival you know yeah i think because it's the whole you know beware of the internet kind of a thing you know so i don't i, I don't know if that was like a secret kind of nod to x-files fans that were like scouring the internet all the time looking for spoilers <laughs> Um, but 
You know, so, it was very so much was like Chris kind Carter, of be, beware. Was he trying to say that were we all like fat sucking vampires? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't. I always wondered if there was kind of like it, some kind it, of. It, it kind of makes sense. No, it does make sense. I mean, because the way we do look for spoilers and news, it is kind of vampire-like. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is it like an inside message or something? <laughs> He's speaking to um, us through the TV screen. Right, right. The end of Tushai is kind of interesting too, because Mulder's kind of, or Scully's kind of really facing her attacker in the end, where she's talking to him and she's very angry at him. And you see Mulder's look too. He is, I mean, he's really angry. And and I'm I'm guessing it's directed at the man because he attacked his partner. But Scully's angry, but she's kind of, I don't know, their facial expressions are really, really interesting at the very end of that episode. Let's see, what's next? The Walk. Which is uh, John Scheiben's first episode. So, okay, The Walk. Um, I went back and rewatched most of this one. It didn't hold my interest as much as I thought it would. I did too. This is one of the episodes I think I caught on repeat. Um, so one of the very first episodes that I saw before season four started on TV. And um, obviously held my interest then and got me really interested in the X-Files, but it, it didn't quite stand up for me today. Um you know, the special effects in it are pretty good. Um, you know, you have the, the figure coming out of the water and then coming out of the sand. That was pretty cool. You have uh, Willie yeah. Garson in it, who later came up in Season 7 in the Goldberg variation. And um, there's not a whole lot I have to say about this episode. I, I tried to make some bullet points on it. The best thing that I could come up with was that there's a very nice moment early on where Scully stands up to the military authority. Uh, basically, somebody comes in and, and says, oh, you can't be here. The FBI can't be here. You didn't go through proper military channels. Uh, General Callahan uh, wants you off the base immediately. And Scully just turns right around and goes, OK, who do we have mm-hmm. to talk to if we were investigating General Callahan? And they're like, we're investigating him for what? And she's like, for, for whatever, you know. And that's the best I could come. The best thing I can come up with to talk about from that episode. So, yeah, the special effects really. That's um, it's okay. It's an okay episode. Um, it's kind of filler between you know the last episode and the next one. It's not really. It's got some okay moments, but really, what I remember of it is just exactly what you described. I remember the special effects, which were super cool, especially you know the whole um, kid playing with his. Um, army men in the sand, and then of course he's buried alive, and that kind of sucks. Um, but I mean, a- as a whole, it wasn't definitely wasn't like high on my list of things I-, I watch again in that season. I'm gonna share something here, and I mean, I might never live it down, but honestly, um, John Scheiben just never was one of my favorite writers. I just could never connect with his work. Really? Yes. The most for the most part. Yes, unless he's co-writing with someone else, it seems to be the case. And I've got to admit, I sympathize with that perspective. Um, but then I, I looked up a list of all the episodes that he had a hand in, and there are some good ones there. And I'm going to ignore the ones yeah. where he was co-writing, because... Now you're going to make me go to look for the list now, right? <laughs> I mean, it, there's a there's a few episodes of his which I you know which I do quite like, but they're few and far between. Um, Armando Gira, which is not 
a strong episode. You know, it's still a decent episode. That's the Mexican goat sucker, right? It is. Yeah. Um, Elegy, which is the haunted bowling alley. He wrote um, the Pine Bluff variant on his own. Uh, that's prob- oh my god, I love that episode. That's I mean, like, his... I hardcore love that episode. Best one? He, um, Badla? He did? <laughs> you know, everyone gives that episode such crap, but it, I don't know, that one, I have a love-hate relationship with that one. Uh, I, when I first saw uh, it, I, I thought it was a good episode. Um, retrospectively, the only thing that's wrong with it is that every time somebody dies, the guy doesn't get up and do an Oompa Loompa song. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, you know, he did a lot of co-writing episodes, and the yeah, ones and and, and I'm looking through it, and the co-written ones, I can't disagree with them. But singular, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's missing about it, but it's just the way something I've always felt. Yeah, the only really, the only really bad one that he co-wrote was Milagro. Oh no! What? You're gonna, you're gonna find a lot of disagreement there, right? I don't even need is to go into this. Tiffany's gonna take care of us. It's it's oh not a god. not a joke, I'm but it was there to provoke Tiffany you. <laughs> my my, hold on! I have my Fitbit on still. Let me tell you what my heart rate is. <laughs> it's, it's it just jumped to like ninety beats per minute just now. She's gone in a panic. <laughs> Milagro, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Aww. before we talk about it, I I will I promise I will sit down and rewatch it. But yeah, you better. I will. I will because I know I'm going to be right. taking a task on that one. I I won't yell at you tonight, then. Okay. I will wait until after you watched it again. Milagro was one of his better ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Eh. Okay, so let's move on then from um, the walk yeah. of John Shivan, and let's go on to Oubliette. And uh, apparently I am pronouncing that correct. I did double check beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I have a few little facts for you on this episode. First of all, the title oubliette. uh, It's a word that comes from the French oublier, which means oublier. Oublier to forget. Okay, well, I'll just let the Canadian take this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm French. Sorry. (laughs) from the word oublia which basically mean you forgot or you forgot to do something yeah that's what i had written down yeah i was gonna be so good in my head doing this and then you just messed it up for me (laughs) sorry that's okay but apparently it literally means forgotten place but is more commonly used to describe a secret dungeon with access only through a trapdoor in its ceiling which seems very specific it sure does. <laughs> I once found in my backyard. <laughs> but yeah, it's an appropriate title for this episode. Um, and one other little yeah. fact then before we go into a discussion on this one is that um, the main guest star, uh, Tracy Ellis, who played Lucy Householder, pops up later on in season nine as Audrey Pauly. Either of you want to jump in on this? Um, well, it's... It's of course a guest star is Jewel State, who went on to be super famous with Firefly. Um, let's see. I like that Scully is worried that Mulder is personalizing the case. Um, of course, you know he's getting angry at her and telling her that she of all people should know that a person's motivations are more complex than that. 
Uh, but she definitely is very concerned that he is deeply person- personalizing it to the point where he's befriending um, not the victim, but the supposed attacker. Of course, because they believe that Lucy has something to do with Amy's disappearance. So Scully's definitely concerned for him throughout this episode, which is, um, you know, an interesting part of it. It, it like, um, for me, it's kind of like, honestly, David Duchovny's performance in that episode was excellent. Um, yeah. It, it, but at the same time, it definitely showed a softer side of Mulder that we had never seen before. And I, I can actually recall my feelings. When I sat down to watch this the other night, I can actually recall how I felt when that first came on back in 95. And it made me think at the time, honestly, I think that's when I truly identified with Mulder as someone who could have been like a, a soft and caring person. Like, you really never saw that side of him too much before mm-hmm. that. Until yeah, then. that's it, true. It, it, yeah. I, I can remember that so clearly, watching the end scene of that when I was probably 12, 13 years old, and that was that's the, the thought I was left feeling, like, the compassion he showed in that last scene was amazing. Yeah, that last scene is really incredible. Uh, you know, when he pulls her from the river, and, you know, Scully's helping, or Scully's doing chest compressions while he's breathing into her mouth, and then, you know, of course, Scully is feeling for a pulse, and, you know, she's not getting any, and she's trying to tell Mulder to stop. And, you know, she's trying to, like, physically stop him. And his connection with this little girl is so strong that he literally shoves her off of him. And he's, he's angry. I mean, you can see it all over his face. And that flash of anger disappears. And what you really see is defeat. Like, he fe- you know, he couldn't save his sister. He couldn't save this little girl. It's, it's definitely very hard for him. Yeah, I think that you know, it's the relationship between him and Lucy, which I find more interesting rather than him and the relationship with the little girl. And go mm-hmm. back to that line that you mentioned. Uh, I've got the whole thing here. He says, not everything I do say, think and feel goes back to my sister. You of all people should realize that sometimes motivations for behavior can be more complex and mysterious than tracing them back to one single childhood experience. That line actually was added by David Duchovny himself. That wasn't part of the script. And I think there's definitely a side to Molly there which we are seeing for the first time. And maybe we don't completely explore it, but it's something that comes up again. I'm thinking of uh, Mind's Eye. In episode five, the mm-hmm. relationship that he excellent, has with Marty episode. in that episode is, is somewhat reminiscent of the relationship that he has with yes. Lucy in this episode. You're totally correct. And, yeah. you know, where that comes from in Mulder's character, I don't know if we ever really learn that, but, you know, th- there's definitely something else that has occurred, you know, and he's right. It's not all about Samantha. There's other stuff that we know about, you know, that, that has happened to him throughout his life, which has influenced certain decisions and characteristics the same way that we later learn with all things that there's multi-sides to Scully that, you know, influence yeah. her behavior. I like the end of this episode, too, where Scully is kind of trying to comfort him, and she says to him, and I actually wrote this this quote down, but she says to him, Whatever there was between them, you were part of that connection. Lucy may have died for Amy, but without you, they never would have found her. And, you know, Scully, of course, is saying this to Mulder, and then Mulder is explaining back to her that 
um, and this is where we really see what Holly's talking about. Mulder, when he talks to Scully, says that, you know, Lucy died for more than just Amy. That she finally kind of found the only escape that she could get. It was the only way she could get away from this, all of these things that have happened to her and the only way she could forget. And you have that moment of Mulder feeling very vulnerable. Like, you know, how, how is he going to escape what's happened to him? How is he going to put aside what happened that night when his sister was taken? Um, oh, so that was, I mean, it, it ends on a very vulnerable note. I just wanted to chime in with one last thing here that um, this is another interesting um, take on an X-File in that there is nothing really paranormal about the case they're investigating. Um, mm-hmm. But of course we have the device there that these uh, two women have that sort of connection between them. And yeah. it's kind of unique that it's a, that's the phenomenon. It's nothing actually to do with the case itself. And that the phenomenon goes largely unexplained. There's no person or monster that's causing it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just something that happens... Um, but otherwise, it's a pretty routine case. Yeah. I find it interesting that she bleeds Amy's blood. That was an interesting part of the episode. Because, of course, that made her look guilty because she had two, um, you know, two different blood types on her clothing when, um, you know, Scully had it tested. So, of course, that's why she they think that she's involved. But, um, but yeah, it still... largely doesn't really explain it past, other than the, the psychic connection between the two. That's pretty much, it, it doesn't really go into too much detail of all that. Okay. So, let's move on. It's quiz time, everybody. Quiz time. Okay, and my challenge so to the listeners out there tonight is if somebody can come up with a little jingle that we can play for the start of the quiz every episode... I would be much appreciative. So if somebody can do that, that'd be awesome. Ah. Okay. So uh, last episode, we talked about uh, revamping the quiz section of the podcast. What we are now going to do is five questions per episode, and people can just jump in with their answers as and when they have them. So per, that's... Wait, per episode? Oh, sorry. Never mind. So, yeah. So five questions per podcast. Covering gotcha. the episodes that we've talked about. So Tiffany, you're you up. scared me there. I was like, per episode, oh my god. So rather than doing five <laughs> questions for everybody that's participating, we're just gonna do five questions and everyone can just jump in. Okay. So we just jump in whenever who or whoever knows it first. Okay. Yes. So don't be shy. <laughs> Question one. In DPO, what is Darren's middle name? Peter. Correct. <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, it starts with a P. See, I could have, I could have sworn before this week it was Price for some reason. <laughs> no. I thought it was Paul. <laughs> so there we go. Okay, question two: What flavor pie did Clyde Bruckman determine was on the floor? Coconut cream, or no, banana cream. Banana cream. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> He, he he named another one too, I think. But yeah, I, I, I think it was banana cream in the yeah. end. Yeah, I think it was lemon meringue was the other one. Yeah, that was the other one. Yeah. Question three: In the list, what type oh, no. of larvae was found on the victims? 
I think one of them had it in Maggots? his lungs. Yeah. Blowfly? But what kind of insect larva was but, it? Was it blowfly? No. No. Um Well. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm with Mulder. I don't understand bugs. <laughs> Not really good what, with them. <laughs> what kind of larvae? What? This is the kind of question that Roy and Jessa would be all over. Yes, and Abby would be like, we're not these people. <laughs> Do we get a hint? Think of the color scheme. And that's probably uh, not a great hint. But... Of the list? The yeah. color scheme? The color scheme? <laughs> okay. A lot of green in there, wasn't there? <laughs> green, but What's green... really bad is... Is Jessa really would know this? I know, I know, and and they'd give us some big lecture about the larvae as well. I'm sure. Oh my gosh! But the I answer will. the answer is green bottle fly. I never in a million years could have answered that correctly. <laughs> never would have happened. Okay, well maybe maybe question four. Uh, in too shy, what was Virgil Encanto's job? Uh... I'm thinking I can't get it there. And it's actually how they managed to find him. Because of what he does. <laughs> he doesn't sell fat pills, does he? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's much it's much more obscure than that. He I was going for the Doctor Who answer, it didn't work. I feel like he no, that's Clyde Brockman. I was going to say sells insurance, but that that can't be right. Um, yeah, those two insurance episodes in a row, even I wouldn't believe that. Yeah. Huh. I don't remember. I do not remember what he does. You're going to kick yourselves. <laughs> I know. He, obviously, he translates medieval Italian poetry. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was picturing him walking outside with some books. Well, <laughs> I'm just gonna point for that, you know. I think. Well, I think that's worse than the than the flies. Well, that's how they find him. Is because I guess his his online profile has some sort of obscure oh, quote in right. it, and so they figure, it's okay, like, yeah, can life know that? Look like back in '95. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question five. Last question tonight. What was the name of the photography store frequented by Carl Wade in Oubliette? And I apologize for my poor French. <laughs> the photography store. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> They get harder every week. Do you do this on purpose? No, I try and have a mixture, but yeah, these ones are kind of hard. Oh, man. I think I was overcompensating because I knew banana cream was a one You did probably you don't get. overcompensate with my first night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so I don't sorry. Know. It's, I don't know. I, ju- I literally just watched it yesterday, too, and I have no idea. It's called Bilton's well, Photo. Bilton's? Bilton's Photo. 
Okay. And I was disappointed. Wow. To, I was hoping. I went then searching when I found out what it was called, and I was kind of hoping that's the same photography store that they had in Anrue, but it's not. So, yeah. No interesting trivia there. I'm afraid. Oh well. So two out of five. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, I just want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you do enjoy it, please subscribe and please go to iTunes and leave a review because that's what helps get us noticed and uh, moves up in the rankings and gets more listeners. Um, mm-hmm. Please also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please go to X-Files, talk xfiles.com and click on the Amazon affiliate link there. If you're going to be buying some stuff off Amazon, it won't cost you anything extra to go that route, uh, but a little bit of the money that you spend will come back and help finance this show. So we do really, really appreciate that. Finally, uh, if you want to get in touch, you can contact me personally on Facebook and on Twitter. I'm David T. Harwood on both of those. Um, also go ahead and follow X-Files News on Twitter and on Facebook and pretty much everywhere else out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiffany Holly, do you want to give your personal handles? Uh, sure, you can follow me when I do tweet, which is like once every three or four weeks. I, I should do it more often though, but it's at T Deval, D-E-V-O-L. Um, and of course, you know, the X-Files News Twitter, and then be sure to go to www.xfilesnews.com. That's pretty much where you can find everything from articles to spoilers to we have a huge fan community, a chat room, which is, is now opening up. Um, we've got forums, so, you know, come on over and and have fun talking about the X-Files and more than 140 characters. <laughs> I believe you're also going to be having a petition going up soon against Jaden Smith appearing in the X-Files revival. Is that, is, is that a rumor? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I think that qualifies as a rumor at the moment, David. And uh, you can actually reach me on my Twitter handle. It's at uh, Lone Gun Gal. Nice. Mm-hmm. And it's the same on Instagram. Uh, my Facebook, I do keep um, a back page to X-Files news, but uh, it's, it's unimportant. It's just my thing. <laughs> Holly, Holly's Twitter is like her handle is so much cooler than mine. It <laughs> always has been. I've never. Uh, it's I always been so cool. Life. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, first initial, last name, and then, but because it's what I've gone by for so long, I just leave it. But every time well, I see Holly's tweets, I'm like, damn, yes, she has I, a great. I channel. had I had mine on a license plate, okay. <laughs> and I think that means it's time for my traditionally humorous sign-off. And this week, I can't think of a less dignified way to go than this. Autoerotic asphyxiation. Please.